talking about? Wait! Okay now, from the beginning. Hi, my name is Adam Goods and welcome to The Goods Oil. Today on our show, I'm joined by Brett Wilson, Chief Information Officer at the MJH Group. Brett, welcome to the show. Hi, Adam. Thank you and uh, it'd be great to be here. Yeah. Now, Brett, the MJH Group has grown from an early beginnings in 1987 as a family-owned new home building business. Uh, based in the Hunter region of New South Wales, to be one of Australia's largest and most well-known and respected new project home, multi-residential and investment property building companies. Can you tell our listeners a little bit bit more about them? Yeah, sure. Look, um, the MJH Group consists of a number of brands that started with the original brand obviously being McDonald Jones up in the Hunter, uh, who is now the number one builder in New South Wales. We've grown as a group to the, to the top five largest builders in Australia and really pride ourselves on quality and customer service. The other brands that fall underneath the MJH group are Mojo, who are a breath of fresh air with a new range of home designs and complete homes that offer spec homes for customers who want into a move, move into a new home without the complications of finding land, etc. Brighton Homes, though, built and projects focuses in the Queensland market and Wilson Homes formed part of the group back in 2015 providing homes to customers in Tasmania. Then we've got the MJH Multi, which is the residential part of the business where we build medium density properties for private, corporate and government developers. In addition to the construction side of the group, we offer services such as within the MyChoice brand as home loans, conveyancing and also the design studio where your selections come to life. We operate as a large enterprise, however, the values still fall back to our beginnings where our focus is on our people and safety comes first to deliver a quality result for our customers. Fantastic. And so you started your IT career 23 years ago in system support at Canon and rose through the ranks to, to your first CIO role at Capgemini. Did you have a map of what you wanted um, out of your career or did it all just fall into place as opportunities arose? I wish I could say it all fell into place, but no, there was a, there was a bit of strategy and hard work in there. Yep. I, I knew that I really wanted to be in a role where I could use technology to make a difference. Yep. Um, I finished school and completed my apprenticeship as an electrician, so you could kind of say that I've gone back to the industry that I first started in. Yeah. Then it was really a process of setting goals and mapping out what I wanted to do And that was the hard part then of obviously making it happen. One thing that I did identify through the process was in 2010, I recognised that for me, I had a very technical background and really needed to focus on education and training. So I started a master's degree, which was postgraduate. So I had kids and family at that stage. And um, it was a major in technology. I think for me, that was the cornerstone for me of where each semester I could apply the learnings into my career and where I really recognise that technology is simply an enabler of the business mm. and that the study and the education gave me the ability to view business problems with a completely different mindset and lens. Mm. Um, I had an amazing opportunity, obviously, to lead the APAC team within Capgemini, where we shifted discussions from being a business partner rather than, obviously, a, a team that is break-fix. Mm. And from then, obviously, from a uh, bit of hard work, and obviously the opportunity came along with MJH, where I think we can offer a huge amount of value and really getting an understanding of where technology could take the business. Mm, Fantastic. So you've been an electrician, you've come through into IT, you've ended up as as a CIO of a fairly large consulting firm or worldwide really, Um, and uh, and now now across into 
in construction, just, just on con- construction though, and I don't know if this is right or not, but I've heard and read through the industry content that the construction industry is one of the last untouched industries that haven't been disrupted, you know, through the use of technology and, um, and transformation compared to others. In your eyes, are they keeping up or is this just a furphy? Um, look, in most part, it is true. The construction industry really is ripe for disruption and digitization as well. I think in most cases, the industry is really slow to adopt technology. And the key reason around that is I think that each you're working with a trade on site who just wants to get in and do their job. Um, And and technology is not at the forefront of their mind as they really want to just go in and do their job. Whereas I guess the way we're changing solely things now is they're finding out that if you don't start adopting these new methods and technology as well, that they're just going to be left behind. They're far less efficient. And um, so I guess for us, it's, it's really adopting a bit of a startup mentality where in some instances, um, we don't look at what we have as a current state. Um, we, we, we move to a discussion where what's kind of that unicorn state, we're in a perfect world where we'd really like to get to. Um, I see in the next sort of two to five years, uh, probably closer to two years rather than five, a huge change in the construction industry where you'll see more simplified but integrated platforms come into play. And I think the uptake from those platforms, if someone gets it right, will be really to, to be quick and once they recognise the value and really embrace it as well. Yeah, fair enough. And, um, and, you know, some of those technologies over the next two to five years potentially could be in the AI space and and facial recognition, um, and you know, only because we're you know we're seeing this more and more in other in other industries, and and you know, being incorporated into the security of buildings and houses that we see out there. Are the MGAH group looking into this as well? Yeah, look, um, we we identified a business problem a little while back, and which was a simple problem where we thought we could address it, and um, it was where we were in our display homes. The methods of counting customer traffic was very manual, and through every different area and region as well, the process differed. So it was the data that we were struggling with around the quality. So we moved into Dynamics three six five for CRM about eighteen months back. And we're getting some really great quality data on leads and the sources. But the challenge then obviously was the consistency in data of our customers. Mm. Um, I'd heard a bit around Microsoft's Face API and reached out to them in order to find a little bit more details. And that Mm. then really started an exciting discussion. And I guess our first journey into into AI Mm. and facial recognition. Mm. Initially, it it was simply a matter of we just wanted to count customers and Microsoft then came back with a, a, an integrated solution really to leverage off their cognitive services mm. um, to not just count people but provide demographics such as age and gender and sentiment. Yep. These were insights into our demographics of displays but also in regions that the marketing team haven't had before. So mm. it's really starting to gain momentum in our business. Yeah. Um, if you fast forward sort of several months, we've got some really good data now and we've got some dashboards that have been set up on Power BI where – we're looking at different brands and it's resulted in giving us that quality and consistency of the people counting, but also we're understanding a little bit more about our customers. And then for us, it's about how do we make sure that we provide both the best customer experience on site, but we can also look at the demographics. So if we're seeing uh, customers come in with more kids or children, 
um, then maybe we offer a crash service. Or if we're seeing more of a, uh, a peak in certain periods of times, then we obviously add more resources in those displays. So I think, look, AI and facial recognition, it can be used in multiple of ways. But I think for us, it's really about understanding our customers a little bit more. We are looking into other areas such as safety, um, but that's a little bit further down the track. Yeah. And um, But I think we're starting to see the value now and there's a little bit more uptake in the business that, that is, is moved on past the hype yeah. and we're actually seeing the value. Yeah, fantastic. So so these are, these are people walking into the, your display homes and you've got cameras set up somewhere. Um, and, and what were your first thoughts around, you know, privacy? Do these people know that this is happening or how, how, how have you sort of got around that? Yeah, good question. So privacy for us was, was one of the forefront of our minds mm. when we actually set this up. We've had security cameras monitoring the displays for, for several years now. So from a signage and, and everything else, it was making sure that we'd actually set up the ability for um, obviously the service to, to recognise a person. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it doesn't go back to the individual. It's just an anonymous data. Okay. But then also um, we're, not, we're not saving any data associated with that individual. So we can't say that, uh, that you're Brett Wilson and you've come in this, in this display several times. Mm-hmm. It's just anonymous data that we obviously aggregate together. So, yeah. But it was really important around the security of that data itself so we engaged a, a Microsoft partner to assist us in that. And I think, look, we've got a boundary around it that only a very small amount of people have got access to. Yeah, no, that, that's fantastic. And from a consumer perspective, like if someone's buying a house and do you expect that uh, down the track will, they'll be, you know, integrated CCTV cameras that, you know, will be able to tell you, you know, someone's just knocked on the door and it's, it's your mum or one of the kids or just because it can facially recognize them at the front door is that something you can see is that or am i just making this totally up <laughs> no look look that that technology is actually available today yeah. um it's it's a very it's more of a hobby grade i think at this stage i yeah. wouldn't say you'd roll it out to every house yeah. but the technology is there where you can walk up to the front door it has a camera if it recognizes who you are it can open the door as well it yeah, could turn right. the lights on mm. there's a whole raft of sort of innovation and and um and smart homes that you could integrate together now yeah um the the challenge i think at the moment that i see with that smart home sort of industry is it's a little bit fragmented and there's no standards across the board where you could buy something today and it's going to be around in the next 12 to 18 months yeah um yeah and so but i think there's some amazing possibilities and functionality that you can really do around smart homes and automation as well yeah look and i use um amazon alexa and and not not too much apart from you know tell to tell alexa to turn the land room light on and the land room light off and um and play a few tunes that's as far as i've got with it so far but it's amazing that you know in, in as we build these houses and and uh, some of these construction firms are now integrating some of this uh technology um it's it you know it does fascinate me how voice and 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 video will be able to 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 link together what what do you think is your number one technology in at the moment as we speak at um in the houses that you know the mjh group build um look we're we're a little bit slower in australia around um probably adopting technology into houses such as automation mm. um, people are really interested in doing it mm. but i wouldn't say that it's um it's something at the forefront of their mind if, mm. if they had a choice around 
putting some smart um, home, smart bits and pieces in their homes to be able to turn on lights yeah. versus maybe a, an upgraded um, sink or, or maybe some better tiles. I yeah. think they'd go down that path. Yeah. But I think um, probably for me, what, what probably would be the forefront of the mind around uh, probably sustainability. Mm. So maybe the integration of the home around your solar and maybe your batteries, mm. but also the awareness of it actually understanding whether you're actually in the home or out of the home. So mm. if you're not in the home, then it knows you're not there and might start turning things off. Yeah. And then when it knows you're on your way back, maybe using geofencing or something, yeah. then that's probably where um, I think that awareness is going to be that next level. And yeah. until that comes about, I can't see probably one technology. I mean, I use a mixture of Google Home and Alexa mm. at home, probably mm. the same as you. Mm. And, um, but I don't see a single piece of technology at this stage really probably at the forefront. Yeah. And you've got a, a lot of builders. How are they going with technology? Do, do they use anything? Are you providing them with any technology to help them you know, construct these buildings, whether they're small or large? Um, for us, it's around probably more digitising that whole process yeah. and looking at areas where we can refine processes and really understand how we can create the value as well. So, um, for example, we've got um, supervisors who are out on site. We provide them with everything digitally. So it's really giving them the data in their hands rather than having to go back and find the data and then look at a, 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 a printout of a, a house drawing here or something yeah. like that and then be able to annotate and get it back into the back office team relatively quickly. So, for example, there's a variation that goes through as well. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Look, it's fascinating technology and um, it's no doubt hitting the constructing, construction industry um, quite hard and um, it sounds like you're doing a great job there at the MJH Group. Um, one of, I think our listeners will be paying close attention to this question, Brett, and I'm going to put it on you as the uh, as the big question of the of the podcast. Where is the hottest place to build a house right now? <laughs> um, look at the moment. I think the market the market softened a little bit, probably in New South Wales, yeah. um, but it's on its way back up. I think, given though the challenges around high rise construction, I really have to probably I couldn't pick one point, but I'd have to say at the moment, look, it's a great place to buy just about anywhere along the East Coast. Yeah. Um, that would be my sort of uh, tip around that. I can't pick an area because I think anywhere at the moment where, where you're going to move away into somewhere where you've actually got your own home, yeah. which is kind of that Australian dream, that's yeah. where I'd say. Yep, fair enough. Well said. And um, now, Brett, we have a segment called Goodsies Fast Four um, where I ask four questions in, in 30 seconds. Are you ready to go? Yep. Oh, very good. Okay, number one, what's your go-to order at your favourite restaurant? Uh, it'd have to be a tortellini boschiola dish from an Italian restaurant uh, in Terry Hills. Oh, very nice. And, and what do you wish you had known when you'd started out in this role? I think for me, it's probably coming from a consulting background and then obviously into construction that the relationships in this industry hold far more weight than other industries in around adopting and influencing change. So that would be the key thing. Great. And what's something you've failed at? Look, fail is a very strong word, but I'd have to say, look, maybe it's something that I really need to work on a bit more is probably spending a bit more time with my family. Yeah. I think uh, in, in obviously the roles we're in, it, it, uh, it does consume a bit of time, but spending a bit more time with those guys would be something I need to do. Great. And what are you curious, curious about right now? 
Um, for me, it's about what's the next two to five years mean from a technology perspective, and not just in our business, across all industries as well. Mm. And um, really keen to understand what that's going to look like and map it out and how we can use that within our business and our industry to apply that to create more value. Fantastic. Well, that's all for today's episode of The Good Zor. Thanks for listening and thank you, Brett, for joining me today. Thanks. Thanks, Adam. And uh, looking forward to hearing this one. Great. And join us again next week when we bring you another CIO to The Good Zor podcast and find out how they are making a difference to this world we live in. See you then.